everyone. Welcome to this episode of Eyes on Earth. We are a podcast that focuses on our ever-changing planet and on the people here at Eros and across the world who use remote sensing to monitor and study the well-being of Earth. Today, we're going to spend some time talking about a research opportunity that's available now through the U.S. Geological Survey's Mendenhall Program. That program offers a variety of postdoctoral fellowships across the survey, including one here at Eros. Dr. Heather Tollerud took advantage of the Mendenhall Program after earning her PhD from Pennsylvania State University where she used remote sensing data to investigate the pockmarked surfaces of dry desert lake beds and to model the interactions between drought and dust emissions on those harsh landscapes. Heather came to Eros through the Mendenhall program in 2015. She now leads research and development for land change monitoring, assessment, and projection, also known as LCMAP. This bold new USGS initiative uses every available pixel of Landsat satellite imagery to map more than three decades of land cover change year after year for every 30 meter plot of ground in the nation. Eros is currently looking for a Mendenhall Fellow to work with Heather and her colleagues in this exciting remote sensing program. Heather, welcome to Eyes on Earth. Thank you for having me, John. I'm happy to be here. Heather, why don't you tell us what drew you to remote sensing research in the first place? What's your background? Also, um, my undergraduate degree is in math and science, and then I went to graduate school in astronomy. That didn't quite work out for me. So thinking about what to do next, I decided to switch and do geoscience. My dissertation work focused on remote sensing and dry playas and dust, dust emission. And when you say a playa, can you explain what that means for somebody who might not know what a playa is? What's a playa? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the vocabulary is pretty messy with a playa. There's, um, there are different parts of the world and different languages have completely different terminology. But basically, it's a, a dry lake bed is one way to put it in English. Out in the western U.S., there are a bunch of areas that were lakes during the ice ages and, and that now are dry. And so there are these really flat, really dusty, inhospitable places. I see. And you were studying playas using remote sensing then after your initial degrees. Yes, that's correct. What kind of remote sensing did you use there? What did you use it for? Well, so first of all, we were looking at some hyperspectral data from Hyperion, which is actually from Eros. The other data source was um, synthetic aperture radar. We used that to look at the surface roughness of the playa to try to better understand how it evolved after flooding events during the winter time. And when you say uh, synthetic aperture radar data, what does that tell you? One of the more common uses for that type of data is for looking at soil moisture, but we were actually looking at the roughness of the surface. So the playa has mineral deposits and, and um, evaporite deposits that get sort of crusty and rough. If the surface is really smooth, it sends the signal down and it just bounces off away from the satellite and you get a really low re- return rate. If it's a rough surface, some of the, the signal bounces off some rough areas and comes back to the satellite. So rough areas are bright. Gotcha. So that's, that's how you were able to... Uh tease out those details. That's how the sensor was able to tease out those details. In other words, yeah. Yeah. And where did you perform this research? You were in the, you were in the Western United States, but where did you study? Where was this? The study site I was looking at was the Black Rock Desert and some other areas too, but especially the Black Rock Desert, which is in Northwestern Nevada. And that was, so that was the topic of your dissertation. And you finished that around when then? Um, what's that? 2014, I guess. So 2014 came, you you finished your dissertation, you got the PhD, and you said, what am I going to do with myself? And then the Mendenhall 
to sort of fell in your lap or what? How did, how did you end up applying for a Mendenhall Fellowship and, and what did you pitch? What was your idea? I was looking around for postdoc offers. And so since I was in a geoscience program, it made a lot of sense to look at the Mendenhall posting. And I saw that there was one out at the Aero Center that looked like it was a pretty good match for my background. I knew that the Mendenhall program was a good program, so I figured I would give it a try. Was there a particular focus for this Mendenhall application? Was there something that you were looking at? The opportunity that I saw on the website was a combination of um, land cover and land use change and also um, environmental factors, in particular drought. So my focus then was on um, the impact of drought on different types of land cover and, and what impacts drought might have on interactions between climate and the land surface. Some of the research results were that the grasslands tend to see the widest results, which is really relevant for this part of the country. You say grasslands had the widest results. What do you mean? What are you getting at there? Croplands don't necessarily change as much, especially during some parts of the year, because more or less the same thing happens. The farmers go out and plant the crops in the spring and so forth, whereas the grasslands, they in, in a wet year, they will turn entirely green, and in a dry year, they might senesce very thoroughly. So the way they look in the satellite images are very different. So you could see a lot more of the dynamics of you know the interaction between climate and the land on grasslands than you would in you know say a, a crop in croplands. And certainly there, there's a lot of impact in other land cover types too. It's just that in grassland it's particularly strong, but it's and it's also particularly consistent. If you have a sort of similar drought forcing, you tend to see a fairly similar response. Whereas in something that's more managed, maybe you have a bit more variation in the response. Right, right. So how did you move uh, from that into and well let's let's step back a second. So right now with LC Map. You have moved on from the fellowship and you now work for the survey. And what are you doing for LCMAP? I'm heading up the research and development team. We are focused on um, improving the LCMAP analysis methodology. Right now, we've been looking at how to extend LCMAP forward and then also what kind of modifications we might see when we go to um, Landsat Collection 2 from our current input data of Landsat Collection 1. So you started out looking at the impact of droughts on these various uh, land cover types, and now you're in a position where you're working for a wide-scale land cover mapping, and you're looking at how to extend that project into the future. Because right now you're looking at the past, right? Like LC map maps what's on the land surface from like 1985 to 2017, right? So we're looking at developing methodology for continually keeping the LCMAP results updated. And so the approach intrinsically is, it was conceived of as something that would move forward in, in time. It's very tractable, but there are some um, details that needed to be worked out before we could get it to actually happen in the real world. <laughs> right. And and you're, you're basically a part of the team that's helping to make that real world part of LCMAP happen, where you're continually tracking year after year and adapting as Landsat adapts to things like Collection 2, like you mentioned, you're, you're part of the team that's working to make that happen right now. Yeah, and improving the methodology and hopefully improving the, um, the products and that data access as well. Do you think, Heather, that you would be doing that kind of work were it not for this Mendenhall Fellowship? 
I think that what I ended up doing would have been was going to be very influenced by what I ended up doing for the Mendenhall. I don't see an obvious pathway between the two without the Mendenhall program. Right. So basically, you you started out at Eros with this specific focus, and because of what you learned there, you're now in a position where you're leading one part of a major project. Yeah, that's oh. that's. Mm-hmm. What is it that would appeal to a remote sensing researcher for this opportunity in particular? Yeah, well, so LCMAP is a really exciting project looking at land change, and it's using relatively new methodology, and there's a wide variety of possible research directions that could be looked at that are just waiting to be investigated. Can you speak to some of that? I mean, can can you speak to some of the opportunities, some of the things that a person might be able to do with LCMAP data or be able to do using this methodology that might be exciting? In my area of interest in drought, there's the potential to make use of some of the LCMAP data to look for deviations from what the model might expect and to try to interpret that as differences in vegetation and, and impacts of drought. So you're, saying, you're talking about deviations. So like when, when a drought happens, we expect this, that, and the other thing. If I'm reading between the lines here, I think what I'm hearing you say is, you're able to see because of the depth of the data and because of looking year after year, you're able to see some of the things that you wouldn't expect. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I guess that helps highlight another thing that's that's really interesting and powerful about the sort of approach LCMAP is doing, which is this dense time series approach. And making use of of, um, of, of all the, the data that's available that we can bring together into a good format is really powerful. It can see patterns that you wouldn't be able to see if you were just trying to pick one time of the year and, and what's happening then, because you can see how, how it changes through the seasons and between the years and across space. So this sort of large data set, dense time series approach is really powerful. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and again, your your area of interest was drought. But if someone were interested in, say, wetlands or fire and recovery, changes to coastal areas, there are a lot of things that you could look at using. Yes. This Anything that's that's pretty reasonably looked at at 30 meters and actually even potentially smaller than that on, t- on small shorter time periods. Anything you can see in a plot of land that's 30 meters square. <laughs> yeah. Um, you put a bunch of those pixels together. If you can see it, um, then it can be studied with LCMAP over time. Yep, yep. Heather, thank you for joining us for this episode of Eyes on Earth. No, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. <laughs> thank you for listening to this Eyes on Earth podcast extra. Be sure to join us next time for more conversations on Earth observation, satellites, and much, much more. This podcast is a product of the U.S. Geological Survey, Department of Interior.